0: to the yak sports podcast with joe deck and Leland mccray
1: well the big game down in greenville finally happens what you know is the big game lord Botatot versus riverheads we talked about it all summer at the end of last season it's just kind of been the reference when you talk about riverheads in 2022 you talked about lord Botatot coming to greenville and lord Botatot won and uh, we were there to call it joe and um Yeah, I mean, it was a great high school football game, especially the first half with both teams just kind of trading blows. But, you know, kind of the reversal from last year where Riverheads went down to Lord Botetourt on the road and in the second half, you know, made the right adjustments at halftime and dominated from there. Lord Botetourt did it in Greenville this year. And uh, it it was an impressive victory. It ended the 52-game win streak. But, uh, you know, overall, you know, I I guess people probably tuning into this want to hear me crying about it or, or worried about it. I, they were beat by a better team on Friday night, a team that was deserving a team that I feel will do well the rest of the way. It wasn't, it wasn't stolen. It wasn't a fluke. It was earned. I, I don't have any problems with what I saw and it doesn't make me, you know, just jump off a bridge about what Riverheads uh, is this year. I still think they're the strongest team in the area and have a bright future ahead of them. But uh, overall I was, you know, disappointed that my, the team I, you know, claim is mine. <laughs> had lost, but past that, I, I wasn't hurt by it, and uh, I thought it was a it was a, a worthwhile football game with a worthwhile result.
0: Yeah, I thought the result was fair. I felt like that this was the better team. Lord Batat was the better team, and uh, they kind of showed that. We, you, and I talked about it on Friday night. We talked about it on this podcast leading up. What. <laughs> Would Lord Botetot do in terms of a game plan or a scheme? This year, they decided to use that advantage in size they have on the line a lot more. And that's what wore Riverheads down. They were just more physical this time around. They were bigger, uh, tougher, and kind of pushed Riverheads around a little bit, which is not saying Riverheads isn't good. It's just saying Riverheads isn't, you know, that class, top level class three kind of school and and that's okay um they and no one's asking them to be that the rest of the way yeah and they're not gonna have to to. exactly (laughs) right yeah they're not gonna have to be they're gonna they're gonna be just fine they're gonna come in they're gonna pound uh Taswell in two weeks they're gonna pound everyone else in the Shenandoah district and class one on the way to another state championship like that's just how it's gonna go but um for friday night lord botatite you're right it was it was kind of the opposite of last year I, I kind of loved the game plan Lord Botatop brought in, which was, we're going to shove it down your throat. Uh, and then when they needed to, they were perfect passing. Four for four, 59 yards, a touchdown. Um, right. and, and it was honestly just a thing of beauty watching Jakari nicely run over people. Uh, something that you just don't see when someone plays Riverheads. You don't see the Gladiators struggling to tackle or, or having players bounce off of them. Um, it's just not something that you're used to seeing, but I think that speaks to kind of the physical hard running that Jakari nicely is capable of, and yeah. uh, Riverheads won't see anybody that good the rest of the way. No, no I, the not the way I, to anybody else in the Shinduah district, but they're just not that good.
1: The way I, I kind of been saying it this weekend, because anybody I talk to or you know open my phone and see a message from wants to talk about this game. I mean, they beat they beat Riverheads the way Riverheads usually beats people. And that was just yep. kind of the phrase that I said, you know, take every game you've seen Riverheads, big game particularly, and, and how they've beaten the teams. It's, you know, tough play, owning the line of scrimmage, and running over people, and then playing better, you know, being there in the second half. And and that's what Lord Botatop did. That's We didn't see them do that last year. So I did have my doubts about Lord Botatop being able to play four quarters of patient tough football because last year I think they were more talented last year based on college recruiting. Now maybe college recruiting will go on to prove me different because they are a very junior led team this year. They aren't senior led like they were last year. So maybe, maybe after next season we'll see the more guys going to the D one level. But I, I thought there was more stars on the field last year and riverheads just ran them over. I, I was impressed how that their coach was able to adjust their game plan, adjust their mindset. And, and, you know, he had great things to say in post-game interviews and and about the atmosphere and the team and the program. And, uh, you know, I think he really feels those things. Um, but I think, he, you know, he, he up, he got his team to realize that over the past year of, you know, just last year in the third quarter when they were still, you know, pounding you in the face, you know, it's, it's going to happen again this year. You got to be ready. And they were. And, you know, Jakari nicely was the run, the quarterback of the two last year that I was more concerned with. And so him full time this year proved to be a problem. And, but he, I mean, he played to his max. I mean, he was, I really don't have a complaint about one thing that quarterback did. I mean, he 33 carries for 179 yards against a Riverheads defense, four touchdowns, and then the four for four passing, like you said. I I, I can't remember a star player playing that well against Riverheads in years. I mean, we might go back to Matt Cullen or something, Wilson or something. You know, like the guy coming in that you're most worried about actually performing well. I mean, there's been plenty of good running backs, especially in the Shenandoah district, that have played at the next level that they seem to have their worst game against Riverheads. Jakari nicely just, you know, put film, (laughs) recruiting film out there against a great defense Sure, a little bit undersized, but still he's bouncing off guys and and creating for his own um in a lot and you know beyond the the initial blocking that was great. So a heck of a job by him, really impressed impressed with him as a player. And and I, I will say as a team, I am impressed. It's more than just Jakari Nicely that beat Riverheads the other night. They had overbay that, you know, ran hundred yards, I think mm-hmm. quietly. Like yeah. I when I saw the stat sheet after, I was like, oh wow, he had hundred yards. Like I, I didn't realize that. Um, And then their team defense. And and Jakari Narson was a big piece of that, too. But they they played a great job on both sides of the ball. They owned time of possession. It's just, I mean, everywhere, they they just dominated the game. And at halftime, they hadn't dominated the game. It was was a head-to-head battle. But then from halftime on, they did dominate the game. And not that Riverheads gave up or played weaker. It's just they got, you know, kept getting beat on and kept getting pushed out of the way. And, yeah, they were still there to get pushed out of the way but it, it was the result either way.
0: Well, and I think... I agree with you to a certain extent. They they hadn't dominated the first half, but as we talked about during halftime, uh, you and I on the radio, I had kind of alluded to, like, I have concerns here with what we're going to see in this second half. Riverheads had scored on a big pass play, which kind of caught Lord Bonnetop by, by surprise. And... I think you and I both know that's not how Riverheads is going to win games. If Riverheads has to go to that bag of tricks more than two or three times in a game, it's going to be tough sailing. And outside of that, they had a very short field. They had a short field to deal with after Caden Cook Cash got hurt. And then Riverheads offense hadn't gotten a ton clicking outside of outside of that and I, that was my concern going into the second half and i and look i've talked to people uh about this this already you know today and over the weekend a little bit do i think caden cook cash's injury significantly hampered riverhead's ability to do well in this game yes do i think caden cook cash playing would have necessarily changed the outcome of this game no um i i think lord Botatot was that much more physical than they were last year. I think the coaching staff maybe last year felt better with a more balanced attack going in against Riverheads. Saw that Riverheads doesn't face a lot of pass defense. Maybe thought that was the way to try to get to them. Um, But then they realized, hey, we've got these big guys. Like, let's have them move forward and push and then create running lanes. And then our guys are bigger and they will bounce off of them. Like, I do think that was a legit game plan that absolutely worked. The first drive of the second half took eight minutes and 46 seconds off of the clock was a 16 play drive. It was about three, just over three minutes to go in the third quarter before Riverheads even got to touch the ball in the second half. That was, and when that drive happened, I mean, we, I kind of looked over at you and was like, this is, this is a problem. (laughs) And, and we had said, if Riverheads doesn't score on this drive to start the second half, kind of feels like it's going to be ball game because, they they could not stop Lord Botata. They just could not. And by the time they finally did stop that offense, it was kind of too late.
1: Yeah. And and that it even even just before that, even just before halftime, knowing that they're using up that clock leading into the half, if they score here, then they get the ball first, like mm-hmm. Riverheads hasn't stopped him yet. And they don't stop, minute, them here, yeah, that, but, that
0: was a that was a 12 place, six a, minute, 10-second
1: drive. Yeah, yeah. It just it, I mean, and that's a that's the Riverhead style. I mean, and even more so, I know you've only been around this area for so many years. Before you were here, that was even more so the thing with Riverheads. It was, it was more consistently that four yards and a cloud of dust. I mean, I think you've seen bigger play offenses uh, in these last, you know, six years. Um, but, it, you know, that's just the Riverheads way. Long drives and, and, you know, 12, 15 play drives. And, yeah, it was, it was impressive to see it done to, to a good team like that. Um, and I think Lord Botetite, this was their approach in the two games prior I'm sure they're going to continue with this. That's my biggest thing about any team when they play Riverheads is, you know, be the best of who you are. Don't try to be different for Riverheads because you're going to lose. Um, they, I think this is who they are. I think that's a good plan. I think it's a really good plan. I think, you know, I read off a stat on Friday night how uh, five of the last six losses – every single one of those teams have gone to the state playoffs after beating Riverheads during the regular season. And the only reason it's not six or six is because two of them faced each other in a region championship game. Um, I, I think they're destined for state playoffs with, with that approach. I think it's going to play well in 3d. Um, I think they have the right players. Uh, They're, they're loaded a lot of positions. That quarterback is special running the football. Um, I'm interested to see who's recruiting him. And um, I I don't know. It's just going to be interesting. So I, I'm, I, I'm not embarrassed by that loss by any means and they earned it. So I, I just don't I don't know how else to put it in a better way of, you know, Riverheads had won fifty-two straight games in a row and everybody's, you know, saying hyperbolic things like how, you know, they're one of the best teams in the state and stuff and, and overstating things. <laughs> I, I I I I that's that's what winning does. That's what, you know, you win fifty-two games in a row, people can start saying stuff like that. Now that they lost to somebody, I'm not in I'm I'm not like as a fan, I'm not even as a broadcaster. I don't feel embarrassment for what Riverheads did there because like it was it was well done and earned. And you know, this isn't also something like Riverheads has dropped down or, you know, Coach Norcross, there's something there's nothing, there's no negatives there. It's, it's just they got beat. They got to beat in a game. And before this fifty-two game win streak, it happened to Riverheads most years. I mean, they'd only had a couple undefeated seasons prior to the beginning of this streak. Where they went undefeated the entire season and won a state championship. One was the year two thousand. Uh, the other one might have been, you know, the first year of this streak, or the first year of the of the six yeah. uh, state championships. I believe they went undefeated that year. I there haven't been that many. So as as people have talked for twenty years, how rare it is where Reds lose, they do lose, and and they lost, and that's fine, and the world goes on, and it's gonna be fine, and uh, they're gonna win a lot more games the rest of the season. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, look, it's
0: Coach Norcross said it on the radio after the game. You know, there's a lot of teams that would take being 52-1 and one in their last 53 yeah. games. And, and he's exactly right. And it's hard to win that many games. I don't care what classification you are. It's hard to win that
1: many games. My, my mom was bringing that up. You know, like, what NFL team has won straight? What college teams have one fifty two And, like, at any level of football, when you're playing your level of football, it's it's no nope, No class one team had ever like won
0: that. 52 games in a row. So for all the people saying it's only because Riverheads plays class one, Okay, well, there's been good Class 1 teams before, and they've never won 52 in a row.
1: Alta Vista never won. William Campbell had that stretch. You know, There's Highland Springs never won 52 in a row, and they won three state state championships. Like, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Um,
0: but, yeah, I, I will say this, too. I, I'm sure the, the kids on the team and Coach Norcross and all them would say they'd rather still be in the middle of the winning streak. But I do think this kind of lets off some of that pressure that I know you keep telling us, the kids aren't thinking about it. The players aren't thinking about it. I think it's only human. I think it's only human to eventually be like, we don't want to be the ones to have the streak break. We don't have to, we don't want to be the ones to have the streak break. And then now that it's finally over, you can just go out and say, okay, you know what? We don't have that big thing looming over us anymore. We don't have to worry about is Bixby winning in Oklahoma is, you know, are we going to pass the Phoebus record now or whatever? How long can we get this streak? You know, all right, our job is to come out in two weeks and beat the stuffing out of Tazwell. Like honestly, if I'm Tazwell, I am absolutely hating that Lord Botetober <laughs> Be a the long, street, ride for Because yeah. Tazwell <laughs> is just going, yeah. That all their, all I'm sure the message is going to be: See, guys, you can get beat if you're not doing your jobs. This is what happens. And they were better than us. They were tougher than us. This is why we lost. Blah blah blah. And that's going to be the message. And they're going to come out and just absolutely feast on Tazwell. And I got news for the rest of shit into a district. I know there's some people, particularly on one end of the county, that are very happy that the streak broke, and celebrating, and probably beating their chests a little bit. I've got news for you: at the end of the year, you ain't gonna be beating your chest about much because you're gonna be down 28 points at halftime, sitting
1: there going, "Man, what the heck happened?" Yeah, I, yeah, given Riverheads, you know, something to point out and say we need to be tougher. That's that's, <laughs> that's yeah. Tough you don't to... <laughs> you don't want to
0: make Riverheads be angry riverheads during this 52 game win streak didn't have too many games they went in angry now they're going to feel like all these i'm sure because again i know the kids probably aren't on the message boards reading any of this and i'm sure the coaches aren't but word is going to get back to them i'm sure one way or another about oh these people are saying you know see riverheads isn't that good they finally have to play somebody good and this is what happens so it's going to be riverheads mission to make everybody realize just how good they are when they step on the field and yeah. Pound them into submission.
1: Yeah, and the outside noise level being turned down will be, uh, will be good. And and you know, I I mostly referenced, hey, in the locker room, they're not talking about this streak. They're not talking about these bigger things that we always talk about. And they're not. I know they're not. But as you say, I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong. They can hear outside noise. They they leave the locker room at some point. They don't they don't camp out in there all week, and that's the only noise they hear. So, and you know, parents asking and, and grandparents and aunts asking, oh, I saw in the paper you won 50 straight. They, they know it's, it's nice that that, that level will be turned down. Um, You know, there was the word of like how many TV stations had cameras at that game Friday. Cause you know, bringing in the Roanoke market and all that, you know, there was, was, a lot of different. And, and I know coach Norcross had multiple interviews during the week. I was one of them for the radio channel and I got out in the parking lot and NBC 29's walking in like, it'll be nice that that stuff can kind of just clear out for now instead of having the attention that you usually have in December, you know, having that September, it's not great for that to continue on. So, um, you know, yeah, you'd rather have it. You'd rather have the streak going on because you never want to lose. No one wants to lose, but for every team that never wants to lose Riverheads is the only one other than Phoebus that went 52 straight without losing. So
0: in the state of Virginia, yep.
1: In the state of Virginia. Yeah, Yeah. 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 And that's, and, and like i said what a year ago when i was talking about the streak i really cared most about i was referencing this state streak because like comparing comparing riverheads to other teams in the state of virginia matters the most to me like it's it's hard to have a point of reference of of oklahoma or you know any other you know Cal, the california school that won 140 some i you know let's let's get towards this record first they tied it that's magnificent and really something to be proud of and, and- uh You could also
0: tell how much it meant to Lord Botatot to win that game.
1: Yeah. After the game, they
0: were celebrating, they were happy, and absolutely should be. I mean, look, it was very obvious. I said it in the post-game show. It was very obvious that as soon as that game was over last year, those guys circled this game for this year and said, we're not going to have that happen again. And they came in, they won. And, uh, again, I guess just a message, because I know there's a lot of people celebrating this around the area, that the streak is over and Riverheads doesn't have that anymore and – we're tired of hearing you how good Lord is. Uh, Lord Potatot, Lord Potatot is not celebrating <laughs> that win against any other team in this area. No. It, and it, they played other teams in our area, and they yeah, beat them all by 40. They, they would not be celebrating walking off the field. It would be, yeah, we were supposed to. Yeah, And there is not another Class 1 or Class 2 team in the state of Virginia that Lord Bonatat would be celebrating now. Well, I say that maybe Appomattox next week if they pound them because that was a game they
1: didn't do too well last year either. Yeah, they lost that game last year too. I'm i think sure that's, Appomattox is a touch. Yeah, Lord Bonatat's probably
0: got a revenge tour going on. Yeah,
1: so good for them and and I, at this point, I want them to win. I was going to say so, I
0: don't you know. <laughs> I I don't think they're going to lose to Appomattox this year. I don't either.
1: Uh, so yeah, they have the bye week this week. They have Tazwell in two weeks. We'll break that down next week. But that is a team they beat 55 to 19 last year. Uh, Tazwell threw the ball a whole bunch. We'll talk more about that next week. But the other big game that turned out to be last week, and I think we were kind of talking about it, second most big, uh, especially for our area, Fort Defiance versus Waynesboro. Fort Defiance gets the big win. They're now 2-1, and one, Waynesboro 0-3. Uh, Fort beats them 30-21 to 21 in a game they led pretty much the whole way, led at the half, and then controlled the second half. Um, you know, highlights of that game were a field goal before halftime that made it a nine-point game, and, and a big touchdown late from uh, Trey Miller to Landon Barr for 24 yards to kind of lock that game into place for Fort Defiance. Uh, just a great win for this Indian program that's really trying to turn things around.
0: Yes, uh, that was a huge win for them. And honestly, like this is this is a game that kind of changes expectations for both of these programs. Yes. Uh, Waynesboro yes. goes from hey, is this the second best team in the district to is this the third best team in the district too? Is this a playoff team? Um, and that's a real question right now. Yeah, Fort Defiance worries. goes from, uh, you and I were saying they might be better and not win a game this year. And now. Or win minimal, yeah. 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 Now I'm looking at it going, could this team win five or six games and make the playoffs? Yeah. Like, What's the playoffs? Yeah. So? yeah. I, it's kind of bizarre. Uh, it shows that the high school football season can be very crazy. And even you and I who. I think are usually pretty good at making our predictions in terms of who's doing what in the Shenandoah District. Got this one wrong on both sides, yeah. um, and I'm happy for Fort Defiance. Yeah. Happy for Fort Defiance and Coach Rolfe. Yes. This was a huge, huge win for them.
1: Yeah, and and like I, I want to know more about this Fort team because you know this is a team that you know we kind of would talk about in the preseason and kind of have those those worries because you know we're not you know on the field or in the in the gym and knowing what these how these guys are preparing. So I, I want to know more about this team. And no one better to talk to about the Fort Defiance Indians than head coach Dan Rolfe from the Fort Defiance Indians. Coach, thanks for jumping on the podcast with us here after another big win for the Indians on Friday night.
2: Oh, absolutely. Anytime.
1: So you've had a a solid opening of the season. The first three weeks have gone very well. You've won the last two games you know, how, how confident were you of the improvement from your team showing up in the win column uh, when you were back in August pulling these guys together?
2: Um, I'll, I'll be honest. We, we kind of had a good feeling of things pretty much all summer long. Uh, we, we were able to, you know, kind of take this off season, and we knew we were bringing back most of, you know, the kids that got major minutes last year. So we knew if we could just kind of get a little bigger, a little faster, a little stronger. Um and we had a good core dedicated to kind of doing that. We were able to do some seven on seven and kind of get a, a kickstart to August. But then once we got to August, there were a couple missing pieces that we got in. And things have rolled pretty well for us. I want to and ask you about. The... Connected... Go
0: ahead, Joe. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I want to ask him about, you know, just the beginning of this season. You played T.A. extremely tough. Then you end up beating Liberty Bedford, and then you get the big win that kind of sent the shockwaves around the rest of the Shenandoah District when you knocked off Waynesboro last week. I mean, are you seeing your team? Uh, it looks to me like they're improving week to week. Are you seeing that, or uh, you know what? What have you noticed that's different about this year's team compared to last year's team?
2: Oh, okay. So, and that's kind of a multi-layered question. So, we'll start with different what I've been most happy with with this group is we have found different ways to play or, or, or even like, for instance, offensively we've kind of done it different ways for every single game. So if a team prepares to stop one aspect of the offense, we've been able to kind of uh, take that to our advantage and then go someplace else. Whereas, you know, last year when we had so many young kids, we we couldn't have done that. We couldn't have made that you know, that switch from week to week. Uh, Every week was about improving kind of the basics, whereas this year it's, okay, if we can – if they take the A gaps away, we're going to go B gap. If they take the B gaps and we go C and vice versa, and if they put 22 in the box, then we got to throw the ball, and we've been pretty successful at doing all of the above. So, I mean, talk about the age team. You know, looking at the guys that are touching the football – you know, they're still not
1: seniors. You have a lot of guys still sophomores, uh, even some juniors, um, you know, carrying the football for you, catching the football for you. Talk about the experience in your team, even though you're not just senior heavy.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's funny because a lot of teams think when you have experience or you have a lot of guys that have played a long time that you're typically junior seniors. We're very sophomore oriented right now. Um, and, and especially at the skill positions, we are very young. Um, but I, I think the biggest improvement for us has been the, up front with the five offensive linemen because they've all played some for two years, some have started for one or, you know, one prior to this. They kind of know everything before we even get started. So that's where it's, it's, it's given the confidence to the younger kids knowing, hey, these guys got our back and, and they'll, they we've settled down there and it makes all the other places easy to go after.
0: So with Trey Miller, I mean, let's talk about him. I, I mm-hmm. He has been a kid that has really impressed me this season, not only at the quarterback position with his ability to throw the ball, which, of course, as you know, is a game changer in the high school game, but he's also a fantastic runner, which makes him that dual threat option, which can give opposing coaches nightmares.
2: Absolutely. And part of that is the design of the offense, and we put a lot on his shoulders. Um, there are times when he's got to make the decision – you know, does he hand the ball off? Does he keep the ball? Does he pitch the ball? Does he check out of a play and we go to something else? Do we check out of, you know, the run play and take a shot down the field? And because he got so much experience last year, it, it, it's I, as a coach, I feel comfortable of giving him that free reign. Um, and like you said, each week he seems to be getting more confident and better and better and better. And uh, it's been fun kind of turning him loose a little bit this year. I want to talk about your defense. It's it's so
1: much improved. Now, not that your offense isn't, but your defense. You know, last year, to start out the season, you're giving up 40 points a game. It's hard to win that way. This year, you're keeping people within reach. And actually, honestly, you've been ahead of people, uh, keeping them down behind you. Talk about the improvement
2: on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's <clears throat> defensively, we lost our two best players from last year's defense. And we were really worried about, you know, how do you – and you can't replace your two best players. Uh, but what we did was we got better from, you know, players six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. And then all of a sudden, now we kind of started looking at things going, okay, we, uh, first of all, we don't have a lot of kids playing both ways. And I think that's really helped us, especially earlier on in the season. Uh, we're, we're almost straight to platoon. And I think it's helped us on both sides of the ball – In terms of being able to, you know, get off the field, kind of recover a little bit, make some adjustments and get right back on the field. Um, And defensively, just with all the kids that played last year, they they just got a year faster, a year stronger. And and they understand what we're trying to do. And and defensively, we're kind of a bend, don't break defense. Um, And and they did a good job. I, I, I thought they played excellent against T.A., and uh, you know, in every game since.
0: So with your upcoming schedule, I mean, this is kind of a big moment for your team. You have Broadway, Rockbridge, and then after that you have Wilson and Stanton. These are teams you're competing with for these 3C playoff spots. This is kind of a make or break moment for your team here in this meaty part of the schedule.
2: Uh, absolutely. you know, and, and truthfully for for us and coming off the last season, we talked about every week is a make or break game for us uh, yeah, yeah. because, you know, truthfully, you know, it's winning is hard to do. And that, that's why I have so much respect for like Riverheads. It's hard to go in and week out week in and week out with the bullseye on your back. And we're still learning how to do it. And there are times when, you know, as a coach, you go, man, we could have we should have we would have. But the difference is now, instead of losing those games, we're starting to win those. And I—I'll be honest. I thought the Waynesboro game was probably the most important game of the year, even when we look back in August, just in terms of how it was going to set us up. And uh, so, and like you said, now we got some three-eight or three-eight teams back to back to back to back. If we can kind of get on a little bit of a roll and, and kind of keep things up, then then I like you know where it puts us.
1: So, coach. Uh, Shifting gears a little bit from this year's team, I know uh, we lost Coach Ball uh, a few weeks ago, a month, uh, over a month ago, and and you spoke at his funeral. I wanted to ask you. I, I had a, I talked about him on this podcast at length, um, and you said great things at, at the funeral about him. You know, talk about you know something that's reminded you of Coach Ball so far this season, or or something you were went to do around uh, the football field, and you could hear Ron Ball's voice in your head.
2: Uh, You know, it's funny because that you asked that question. Uh, Friday night, um, I I saw his wife at the game and his daughter, and um, she looked at me, and for the longest time, I never wore a whistle when I coached. Uh, For the obvious reason, I was afraid in the middle of a play, if I see the quarterbacks about to get hit or something, I would take the whistle and blow it, Um, and the officials would (laughs) Want to kill me? So I never, never ever wore a whistle in all the years I've ever coached. Um, But that was something Coach Ball did. And at the TA game, I said I'm going to start doing this because that was my way of remembering him. And um, Mm. and it was funny because that was Mm. the first thing uh, Bonnie noticed when I saw her after game Friday. And um, it, it it means a lot to me because he meant a lot to me in a. In so many ways, um, and so yeah, I wear the whistle. We do our quick cows. That was something Coach Ball always did when he was with us, and, and I do them now, um, just in in his memory. Um, and, and even the the whole atmosphere. Um, it, it was funny. Bonnie said that it, she, she, you could feel he was there Friday night, and I. Uh, it's hmm. just it, it was. It's hard to explain. It was just a kind of this eerie feeling. Uh, Great feeling, really.
1: Well, even a better reason to keep rooting for you guys down the stretch here. um, As uh, I know, Coach Ball will be excited about the early success and and rooting on for more. So, Coach, we'll leave it with that. We appreciate you hopping on with us this week. Good luck this week against Broadway and and every other week the rest of the way. And uh, hopefully we talk to you again down the stretch or something.
2: I look forward to it. And thanks for all you all do for high school football.
1: Thank you. So once again, thanks to Coach Rolf on educating us more on his team, you know, a, a team that I, I think a lot of people overlooked and now no one's overlooking them in the Shenandoah district because they're all probably pretty worried about uh, having to play the Indians and uh, all three C probably kind of has their eyes out for them now. You know, that was a great big, a, a big win for them. They have Broadway this week. Um, before we moved to the Broadway, I, I did uh, Steve Cash. He's been on the podcast a couple times. times. He, he texted me. He's like, when was the last time Riverheads lost and Fort Defiance won on the same night? Which, you know, speaks to, you know, Fort Defiance being down for a stretch of time here, but also Riverheads continued excellence. I looked back the same, the, the last time on a Friday night, both of them, uh, or that Riverheads lost, Fort Defiance won. It was back in 2013. Uh, Fort beat Broadway 27 to 14. Uh, Fort ended up 5 and 5 that season. Riverheads lost to Wilson that night at Wilson, 35-24. Uh, Riverheads would end up going to the state semifinals that year, uh, losing to Giles. So it had been a while since both of them on the same night, uh, you know, had lost or, or, or <laughs> Riverheads had lost Fort Defiance had won. So that's great. And I think we're going to see a lot of them both winning on the same night in these weeks to come. Uh, and I think this weekend, maybe not both on Friday night here, this weekend is an opportunity there for that. Cause Fort Defiance playing Broadway, they're one and two. Broadway comes in having lost the last two, losing to Strasburg. And now William Monroe, 27 to 14 last weekend. And I think Fort Defiance playing at home, I I think at this point you look at them as the favorite. And and I think I'm not scared to say that about this team. The way they've won these past two weeks, getting up and and holding on to leads, you know, I I have confidence in this team that, like Coach Rolf just said, if if they can't run, they'll pass. If they can't run here, they'll run there. I, I think they're you know, at that level now where I have some confidence in them and, and taking on this Broadway team that I know they're, you know, filling in some roles at quarterback. They do like to throw the ball a good bit themselves. I, I just, I have a lot of confidence in Fort Defiance this week.
0: I do too. And look, uh, it's not only my confidence in Fort Defiance, but it's my lack of confidence in anyone in the Valley District. I think that district is <laughs> awful this year. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see multiple teams get into the 3 C playoffs from the Shenandoah District this year. Uh, and, and I, I just don't think much of the Valley district. And I think, I know they lost this game 42 to eight last year, and that's a lot of points to overcome, but. They've
1: done it the last two weeks. They've yeah, overcome they, stuff they like that. They have done
0: it the last two weeks. And I think this is a game where we see Ford Defiance again, get revenge on someone they lost to last year. And, and they find a big win at home against Broadway. I think that's going to be a huge victory for the Indians. And they're going to be three and one, uh, when, to be frankly honest, I didn't think
1: they'd have three wins all season. And they're, I think they're going to be there I, yeah. four weeks in. To, to be fair, I think the comment I kept ma- saying is that they're going to – I think they're going to be really improved from having freshman quarterback and freshmen and sophomores leading their offense. I think they'll be greatly improved. I don't know how that – what that means in the win column. It's already meant something. They already have the two wins. I see more wins ahead of them. So I, I'm real confident with that, including this week. You know, Broadway, though, has been that thorn in Fort's side. I think Coach Rolfe has only – Beat Broadway three times over uh, the stretch that he's been there. Uh, this is a this is a rivalry. Other than the COVID spring, uh, I think they have played every single year since like 1970. Um, And and of more recent, it's been a thorn in Fort Defiance' side to have the Gobblers been. So I I watch out for that. But I I I don't know. I just keep coming back every time I look at this game. Or the reading the articles from this weekend, talking to people, I just I think Fort's going to do it against Broadway and and I think in these other weeks to come I'm gonna have more Fort win protection
0: yeah and so I'm not uh, spoiler alert for folks I'm not going to be on Friday night. Um, I have commitments elsewhere but um, I'll go ahead and make my picks that I usually make on Friday night I, I got Fort win in this game and I got them win in it by 14 points. I think they win this by two scores uh, I think. Are just better than Broadway, and I don't. I'm, I'm tempted
1: it. to say like a, a, a either like 10 or 17 because their field goal kicker has been great this yeah. year. Uh, the Brooks kid, he's been making field goals, um, getting that one before halftime last week so crucial. It's just like each week there's a, a crucial field goal that's either kept in a game or you know secured a game, and uh, so it makes me tempted to throw a three in there on a score there. Um, you might have everybody, I, I think Fort's gonna win. I'll, I'll say my the. Um, on Friday, but I'm in that same range you are. I think it's not going to be a squeaker. I think they're going to win a nice game on Friday night. Um, The team that they, well, moving forward, Wilson, they played Rockbridge and their defense, I think, I think you had some questions about Wilson's defense based off last year, which were valid. I think they are much improved and it's been proven now against a Monticello team that scored a trash touchdown. Rockbridge who didn't score any points offensively. They only got two points there losing 34 to 2 uh from a safety. And I know those two teams aren't the as uh, I think Wilson's going to face harder teams the rest of the way than what they faced so far. But that's a much improved defense that those teams weren't that great last year and Wilson was giving up a lot of points to them. So they're much improved. Can they keep it up in the Shenandoah District? But here's a test against Rockbridge County where, you know, they, they, in the past, have liked to throw the ball a lot. They're running the ball a lot more, but or they, they forced the turnovers. You know, that was the big factor here. When Rockbridge decided to throw the football, Wilson took it away from them, and they stopped the run otherwise. So they came into this game with a, a multi-dimensional offense and completely shut it down.
0: Yes, they did. And, uh, again, it's another Valley District team. They beat them like they're a Valley district team, which is the good news. Um, and Wilson as has...
1: A, in the 90s, you wouldn't say something like this. and the 90s, was a lot different, but it's it's a long time. Oh, long yeah.
0: No, I, I'm aware. Yeah. It's But we're a long time yeah. since the 90s, as I'm reminded when I look at a calendar. But um, Hey, it's
1: my birthday today. I'm very much uh, reminded today how far from the 90s we are. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but, I, man, this team is just... This isn't even the same Rockbridge team that we're used to seeing from, you know, the last... Two or three seasons. Like this is a bad, bad Rockbridge team.
1: And- yeah, they have a new coach, and I still think they're pulling stuff together. And I see a lot of these names though that were impacts for their team yeah. in, the, in the previous years. I'm, I'm surprised. I, 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 don't know. That's why I'm still trying to gather my thoughts on Rockbridge because they played Western oh, Alvaro kind of tough last week, and so I just am not absolutely sure about this Rockbridge team. Maybe I should give more credit to Wilson. is my is one of my thoughts here, um, and I think we'll see it going forward. I Rockbridge yeah. plays Stan. We'll That's another game we're gonna yeah. break down, and and we're gonna start learning more about him. But I I do have a lot of questions about Rockbridge because in August I had a lot of questions about Rockbridge, so um, none of them have been good answers so far.
0: No, they've been they've been truly terrible. And uh, but again, I, I don't want to take any credit away from Wilson, who you know right. four turnovers. Passing game was good. Running game was good. That's what we needed to see from Wilson. And this is another team, frankly, I don't think you or I gave too much credence into would be a factor for, you know, the top three spots or really top four spots in the Shandawa district at the beginning of the year. Um, We thought Wilson was maybe a fringe playoff team, maybe. Uh, And they look like they're going to be a playoff team and they might be a team that now is part of a group that i don't I don't know who's going to end up third in this district at this point um but yeah. wilson is definitely in that conversation no doubt and they've looked like one of the better teams in the district so far i mean they've they've pounded monticello they pounded this rockbridge team and now they've got a team coming up and i'll go ahead and move this on they've got a team in waynesboro who is flat out struggling I and mean, this is a team that is not living up to expectations uh and you know i guess that's good news bad news good news waynesboro we kind of have these expectations, and you're in that conversation because of what we saw last year. Bad news, you're not living up to them, though, and that's part of it, right? And I I, I really think the offensive line play has just been a, a total nightmare there in Waynesboro, and it's really hurt them a lot more than I thought it was going to this year. And I just think right now for Waynesboro, like, we're starting to get to that point in the season. It's too late to fix. I think these are some of these are just problems that can't be fixed. I, I don't know... If it, it's gotten to the point where I'm going to stop talking about it because I I don't want to beat a dead horse. And I'm not sure that, you know, sometimes in the past we've said, you know, hey, these kids are doing their best. It's just not enough compared to other teams in the Shenandoah district. I'm starting to think that's the case with this Waynesboro offensive line. I think they might be doing their best and it's just not good enough. And that's yeah. going to have to change the expectations despite having great skill players on the ends at wide receiver. Despite having a fantastic running back in Ryan Barber and despite having a great quarterback in Blake Jones, they right. don't have the ability up front to make anything happen on offense and they're also getting dominated on defense. I I don't see this going well for Waynesboro. This is, I I'm off the Waynes, I'm selling my stock in Waynesboro at this point and I'm buying yep. stock in Wilson and Stanton and Fort and, and I just, I think Wilson is going to win this game. I think Wilson's going to win this game by 21 points. I just, I don't think this is going to be a particularly close game. I, I just haven't seen it from Waynesboro. And I need, I guess I'm at the point now where I need to see it to believe it. I
1: mean, they've, they scored 14 versus riverheads, 14 versus draft and 21 versus fort. Uh, yeah. I, I think their defense is going to give up more than 21 and I don't see him scoring more than 21. And uh, it, I think this is a, put them to bed game. Like you're saying, like, you can't, this is a way, team, we were trying to look through their schedule, like, our, how, how do they gain wins? Okay, they're, they're going to beat all the Valley, but, you know, how do they gain wins in the Shenandoah district that they didn't have last year? Well, right here against Fort Defiance, this is a the game they won last year, and then this year they give up. So now they're they're behind uh, behind the chains, you know, <laughs> on trying to pick up wins. And so, I, yeah, I think this game could put them to bed here. This is a the game they did lose last year. And uh, unless they can reverse fortune here and kind of even out in the first four games from where they were a year ago, that's it. But I, I have zero confidence in that for all the reasons that you just gave, I think they have these senior stars at quarterback running back and, and Taylor Henderson on both sides of the line. And I I just think the sum of the pieces around those guys aren't good enough to, to be where they want to be this year. And, um, you know, it's going to take some really good coaching to optimize what they can get when their quarterback doesn't have any time or the running backs not getting any holes. And, uh, I mean, you did see Barber kind of with a more traditional Barber line this week with three touchdown runs and they were, you know, not just 64 yard touchdown runs. They were touchdown runs of five, 10 and 11 yards. Um, but yeah, I, my faith, my faith level is zero. And I also think Wilson's going to score. I mean, they, Aiden Pogorski threw two touchdown passes last week. So against Monticello, he had the stat line he needed to have to beat the heck out of Monticello. And then against Rockbridge here, two touchdown passes, one of 13 yards, one of 63 yards. You had Tyree running for over 130 yards, um, including also with the 63-yard touchdown reception. You had the uh, Ronan Tabler kid with only five carries for 125 yards and, and two TD runs. So they're getting production there. I think they're going to have production against this Waynesboro defense that hasn't stopped a runner yet. And so there's just no, I, I can't, I can't figure out how Waynesboro wins this game. Like even against Stewart's draft two weeks ago, I, I kind of had a theory of how they could best perform it. And then against Fort Defiance, I thought I knew it. They've done none of that. So I, I'm not going to walk into this game and just, you know, pull something out of thin air. This is the way they can win this game. Wilson's defense is too good and their offense is going to score. What, what can Waynesboro do to overcome that? I, I don't have an answer.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I I like I think I said Wilson uh, by 21. So, yeah, um, that's what I think is going to happen this week. Talking about Stewart's draft Cougars, they were off this week. They're going to have Greenbrier East from West Virginia. Uh, They are going to kill Greenbrier East. That's going to be a 35 point game. They're going to absolutely beat the stuffing out of Greenbrier East. I think that's going to be a 35 point game if the Cougars call off, uh, I guess, the cats
1: um, (laughs) in the fourth quarter. They will, they, they get their guys in. I, I agree with you. And it's hard to have a point of reference for this game that, you know, Sears drafts never played this team before this program before heck, they have never played a team from West Virginia before. Um, who has this team played that 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 uh, Sears draft has generally nobody in the preseason riverhead scrimmaged them and riverheads ran them off the field and they pulled their starters. They pulled their starters early just because they knew it was embarrassing. And so um, they couldn't stop the run. And draft is going to run. So there you go. This this is Coach Ray Lee um, over there. He's fifty three and fifty three all time. He's about to have a losing record at at the school because it's it's not going to go well against Stewart's draft. This is a playoff team from West Virginia. Um, They're sitting at one and two right now, uh, having just won last week against Robert C Byrd. But yeah, that's that's about all the background I can give you on this team, um, other than the projection that they're going to have a long bus ride here and a long bus ride home on Friday night.
0: I mean, their defense is, and I mean, they just hemorrhage yards. That's a problem. They're giving Buffalo.
1: up thirty-one points a game. Yeah, that's a that's a huge huge problem. About to face the best team they face all year. Yep.
0: Buffalo Gap. Well, they're going to go to East Rock up in Elkton, um, and this is going to be a problem for Buffalo Gap. I, I just this is a game that I thought maybe. I would like Buffalo Gap in at the beginning of the year. East Rock's not in the Valley district. They're in the bull run, which has looked miles better than the Valley <laughs> district. And um, I, I just, I, East Rock has actually played better than I think people were expecting this year. And Buffalo Gap at Luray loss is still in my mind. It's a close game last year. East Rock looks to be better. I like the
1: Eagles to take down the Bison this week by six or uh, eight, eight. So, a tight game. Uh, I'm worried it won't be a tight game. I actually was I'm surprised you say that point total. Um, I think East Rock is going to come with a bit of a balance. Uh, they, they're they going to run the ball. They had the Blake Morris kid. They traditionally run the football. Now, they do have new head coach. He's Drew Spitzer, uh, Coach Spitz, Dale Spitzer's son from Fort Defiance. He, and Drew came through uh, Fort Defiance. But he's been with the East Rockingham program a couple years. Now he's head coach. And he was under, you know, hired by Donnie Coleman, under Turner, who had been under Donnie Coleman. I think he he understands how East Rock succeeds with those kids from Elkton, and that's a balanced attack. And that's, you know, where they were successful some years ago was with that balanced attack. They have a star player at quarterback, Jakari Eves. He can run the ball, but, man, he can throw the ball. They've already attempted 45 passes uh, in the couple games they played this year, four touchdowns, two interceptions. So, where Buffalo Gap has had trouble stopping the run this year, like against Larey, East Rock's gonna be able to take advantage of that. And then they're gonna be able to take advantage of that. And then that's gonna open up passing lanes for Jakari Eves. And I, I just don't think Fort Defi- or excuse me, I don't think Buffalo Gap's gonna have the ability to stop the Eagles' attacks from all the different directions it's coming. And plus, it's a home game for East Rock. So, I. I'm worried for Buffalo Gap in this game. You know, Buffalo Gap's that team. I, I've said it so many times in the podcast that you know, that's kind of my closet fandom. I, I I'm quiet about my gap fandom, but I'm worried about them this year. I, that lost her way really shook me. And and now I'm reanalyzing the schedule and I'm I, I I'm not sure how it's gonna go. Yeah,
0: I, I don't I don't have a lot of confidence in Buffalo Gap, but we'll see. Uh Stanton.
1: I think I think two scores, I think, is where I'm at. I okay. just don't yeah. That's somewhere in there. Stanton,
0: uh, they whooped up on Page in another game, uh, where the Shenandoah District team only gave up two points. Uh, it was thirty-five to two, Stanton yeah. beat Page. Um, and honestly, this was an early safety,
1: so we looked at that too all night.
0: <laughs> yeah, this was, but this was a game where I think you and I thought Stanton were gonna win, but man, did they pound them! Like, and I think that's the thing I like the most about this Mikey Bell team is it's not only that they're winning these games, it's that they're beating these teams like they're bad teams. And it gives me confidence that, you know, we, we talked about it, right? I'm selling my stock in Waynesboro. I'm buying Stanton stock. I'm buying Wilson stock. I'm buying Fort stock because these teams are winning games, but Stanton and Wilson in particular, they're not just winning against these bad teams. They're pounding them like they're bad teams. They're saying, yeah, we know they're not good. And we're going to show you how much better we are than them. And that's kind of what you need to see. Right. And I, I think we're seeing the growth from Stanton that, we were wondering, are we going to see that? Well, so far, yes. And so far, the line has played a lot better. And I think that's another reason I kind of like where Stanton is going in terms of their trajectory. Their line play has been pretty good. Walker Darby's passing. He's got time to pass. He's looking good. He can run. We, we always knew he could run. And I, I think this is going to be a fantastic opportunity this week when they play Rockbridge for Stanton to really put their stamp on what is to lie ahead the rest of the way. I yeah. I've already touched on my thoughts on the Valley District. I will continue as the season goes on, but I think this is going to be a game where the Stanton Storm build on the success they've already had this year and improve from where they were last year. I think this is a win, and I think the Stanton Storm are going to start three and zero in the Mikey Bell era. I think it happens this week, and I actually like Stanton by seventeen points. I think they're going to thump Rockbridge.
1: Yeah, and they lost this game forty seven to eight last year in Lexington, no way <laughs> that that kind of score is coming out of this game, unless it's reversed. I, it's just, I, I have absolute confidence in Stanton. I like what Darby's doing. Uh, He has a great stat line from last week. He had two touchdown passes and a and a um, touchdown run. And he's been doing that in these first two games of the season, just kind of doing it all, but not doing absolute everything. He has four touchdowns Throw in three touchdowns rushing on the season, but he has other guys stepping up. You have the Mark Gefford kid who uh he had a touchdown run. He also had three interceptions on defense, an absolute star on the defensive side of the ball at defensive back, uh, four interceptions on the season. He's an absolute playmaker. And, and then you have uh, Braylon Fields. He's doing great things for him on the season. He has three touchdowns. So they, they've answered some of those, you know, who's going to be other than Darby on offense. We're, we're seeing those names. We're seeing uh that, you know, Chisley, he's, he's getting, uh, touchdown reception last week. He has two touchdowns on the season. So I'm happy about the success they've had there. But one of the things that stood out for me this game, uh, our friend Chris Lasseter uh, had a write-up for the News Virginia. He caught the quote of the week. Uh, Braylon Fields was talking about his 65-yard touchdown off a screen pass. And here's the quote. I caught the screen pass and my guys were downfield blocking, Field said. I got a few cuts and stuff and then I punched it in from there. You've got to thank the Lord first and foremost, and I've got to thank my hogs down there. I can't do anything without them. I love that quote. I love the kid's priority to make sure that he thanks God first, but then he calls his blockers his hogs, and he gives the credit to the lineman. I, I just I just love what we got out of that quote, the character we got out of uh, fields there. Uh, and I, I don't know. I just I, It stuck out to me. I'm, I'm glad Chris Lasseter included that in his article. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to what this fields kid can do this week and what it'll say after the game. Uh, maybe we need to get a post-game interview with some players for 1240 or something. Cause if they're going to say stuff like that, that'd be great. Uh, but no, I, I, like what they have. The offensive answers have definitely been answered or questions have been answered. And then defensively, what more can you say? I mean, shutting out page County who I know page County is not as good as they were those couple years County, of years ago, they made the thing. playoffs, but just shut them out. Oh, I, I just, well,
0: yes. The defense shut them out. Yeah
1: just absolute absolute love it and uh, the defense is the defense isn't what I was worried about I was worried about those who else is gonna do something other than Darby it's all had answers there's a lot of there's a lot of good games for Stanton ahead of them
0: I I tend to agree with you well we look now toward I think let's look at college football uh, let's start with the Hokies right big win uh, big rebound. They got to play in the ACC, which is obviously a little bit easier sledding than the Sun Belt, Um, and they got to take advantage of a bad team in Boston College, beat them 27-10. Offense looked better. Defense is going to be great. I I think that's what we learned. That wasn't our concern after the ODU game was the defense, but they kind of backed it up now with a second straight week. This one, at well, home. you were
1: cutting the scholarships of the entire team after the first week, so it's good that. You going well, to I, said I said offense. I said the team.
0: defense has some D one players, but I don't think there's a scholarship <laughs> player on offense, and they were better. But I will say, like, I'm not enamored with the offense. I, I no, still think, no, no, no. I still think there's some major problems there.
1: Yeah, there, there is. Uh, it's you know we're we had like seven straight three and outs in the first half, which was spectacular. But we we gave them back some three and outs right right behind it too. So yeah, you need to take advantage of that. And and it's not so much not scoring every drive. It's it's you're not helping your field position or everything if you're just three and out. So you gotta have some drives. You gotta get on to the right side of the 50. And even if you punt from there, you're still doing better for yourself. So our offense has some stuff to work on. The biggest help was Wells, not just throwing it to the other team. That that yeah. was a big change from last game that that helped this week. Uh, you know, thrown it to our team 16 out of 25 times. That was nice. Uh, not big yardage, but he did what he needed to do. And if that's the kind of wells we can get week in, week out, you know, we have a little bit of something to build off of. We're not going to go undefeated the rest of the way with that kind of quarterback effort, but we can we can work some stuff out from there. We can win some ball games and maybe sniff at a bowl, uh, but I'm still not really that hopeful for a bowl yet. I'm going to have to see something offensively because as good as our defense was in this game, they, they're not going to be able to do that the four weeks in the middle of the season where we play, you know, Miami and uh, UNC and uh, those four tough teams and the middle of season, NC state. It's just, we're going to have to have more out there. So, honestly,
0: the UNC game for me, if the offense can't put up 28 points themselves <laughs> against UNC, then that's where you just, you look in the locker room and say, Hey guys, uh, we've got to make some cuts here with the scholarships. And it's the entire <laughs> offensive side of the ball because yeah. Yeah. Nobody UNC has, has had, had a problem. 70. Nobody has had a problem scoring on UNC. So if we can't, that's honestly, I have no more patience for those kids at that point.
1: Yeah, I wish we had them next week. I I don't want them to be coached up for another month uh, before we play them, but uh, that's fine. We do have Wolford this week. The Wolford is a team that has not scored yet this season. We play them at 11 a.m. on ACC Network. <laughs> I figure we'll give up a score to them just because they keep talking about that stat, how Wolford hasn't scored on anybody yet. But I, I would be shocked if we lose this game. This is an FCS team and not a good one. So this is, you know, get up and then work out the kinks kind of thing. Get up by a couple scores and then work out the kinks on other stuff and, and feel better about yourself leading into a game against West Virginia the week after on a Thursday night. So uh, this is business time this week and uh, we don't need any kind of foolishness this week.
0: I agree. I think it's gonna be a big game this week, and you gotta pound them.
1: That's the got thing. to. It's not gonna be a tough and, game, but you gotta pound them. And so, on the last game that we're gonna talk about on this podcast, where Jeff Wright made a prediction, he didn't get the Riverheads game right. He didn't get the Tech game right. Did not get the UVA game right either. UVA goes to Illinois and gets handled twenty-four to three. It felt worse than that at some point someone asked me what the score of that game was and I said 40 uh, like I and it wasn't me being funny it was just like it felt like Illinois absolutely destroyed them in every aspect of the game uh UVI I think scored the three first and then that was the last positive thing they really did and so that sets them to one and one um and I don't know you know I've I'm not going to put it on Armstrong. I think it's the, the guys around him, but yeah. nobody looked good in this game and and the defense really didn't look good. So I think, you know, the questions you thought you might've had answers to against Richmond. Well, here's Illinois. who's not a great big 10 team. And you kind of brought all the same questions back up. So I, I think they have some stuff to work out. They're going to play old dominion, probably beat old dominion. I, I have faith in that. I, you know, they're not going to get surprised by old dominion like we did. Um, but, you know, they got they got some stuff to work out. And I think even after this week, they're still going to have to prove themselves a bit because, you know, after the week one win, it seemed like all of a sudden people were really buying into seven, eight wins for this UVA team. And I I don't know. I'm not seeing that. I wasn't seeing it after for week one either, but I, I'm i definitely not now. And I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah. um, I think this is kind of the up and down that UVA is going to have this year, too. Right. Right. Like as Virginia Tech fans. We're yeah. going to have that. I think UVA is going to have We're that both too. Have it. This is a big game for ODU. Uh, they they go to UVA next week. That's two p.m. on ACC network. And I think this is a game where both sides are kind of you know ODU mm-hmm. lost after that big Virginia Tech win. Now they've got another in-state game against UVA. Can they come back and win that game? I don't know. Um, probably not. I think UVA wins this one win in Charlottesville. But yeah. uh, I think for the Cavalier fans, this was a reminder that. It's not going to be smooth sailing this year. You're going to have an up and down season, kind of like Virginia Tech. Both of these programs, uh, I think are in very similar circumstances. They have coaches that I think are going to build their programs and have success at UVA and Virginia Tech. But it's going to take some time. And this year is going to be some growing pains. UVA outside of Armstrong doesn't have a lot of talent. Virginia Tech on the offensive side of the ball, period, has no talent.
1: Um, You might be hoping at this point that the Tech UVA game is playing for a bowl game, you might be hoping for yeah, that. Yeah,
0: both teams point. are probably hoping they have five wins going into that game.
1: Yep. Yeah. So the other local team, JMU, they won sixty-three to seven. This is this is a JMU game of any other year. This is a Norfolk State team that's you know not good. They treated them like they're not good. This is the same kind of JMU win that we're used to having. It has nothing really to do with them being an FBS. Uh, that Todd Centillo guy is looking great. Nine touchdowns in two games. Chris Thornton's caught five of them. Nothing negative to say about GMU, they're great. But the rest of the Sun Belt is really open some eyes <laughs> and this weekend absolutely showed out. As Marshall goes to Notre Dame, number 8 Notre Dame and beats them 26 to 21 on their home field. Appy State goes to Texas A&M on A- on Texas A&M's home field and beats them 17 to 14. Those are the two highlight wins of the weekend. But then you also ended the night off with Georgia Southern beating Nebraska 45-42. That's a bad – Like Georgia Southern is not some great Sun Belt team. They go into a Big Ten stadium that they should never win at and no Big Ten team should allow beat them, and Nebraska loses like they always do in a one-score game and then fires their coach. So you got to take a little bit of pride when you make another team fire their coach. So those were the three wins for the Sun Belt that stood out, the first two more so – beating ranked teams on the road. And I loved watching every minute of it. <laughs> I, I even, I, the Nebraska game was on during the tech game. So I don't know if I sat there and loved that as much, but especially Apple state and Marshall, I was rooting for them full out audibly in my house and uh, they were great wins.
0: Those three teams made $4.2 billion this weekend uh, and got wins combined. Like if you take this, sum for Marshall, Appalachian State, and Georgia Southern to go to those games. Uh, in total, those schools were paid $4.2 million, and they won, um, which is embarrassing for those programs. Uh, Marshall, that's a that's a win against the Notre Dame team that now all of a sudden kind of, uh, like kind of like we were talking about with Waynesboro, recalibrating expectations a bit. Uh, the quarterback oh, well. got hurt in that game, which didn't help, but they weren't looking good before that. And uh, Marshall... Marshall is a good team. Appalachian State, dominated possession in that game. I mean, absolutely controlled the ball, kept Texas A&M's offense off the field. I think I heard where Texas A&M had 38 total plays on offense in the game. Um, yeah. Hard to win. And yeah. they Appalachian State is just, they almost got the win last week against North Carolina. They go to Kyle Field. They beat the number six team in the country in Texas A&M not only do they go to Texas A&M and beat them, they steal their college game day because Texas A&M was absolutely hosting college game day against Miami next week. Oh yeah. But Appalachian state beats them. And now Appalachian state is going to host college game day, which good for them. Um, But I think the other thing here is, you know, in the Georgia Southern Nebraska thing is that loss kind of tells you Nebraska just got to a point where they couldn't take it anymore. I think the original plan, I think you and I had talked about it wait till like that October 7th or whatever, when the buyout dropped significantly, but after this, it was just a, you just can't wait. It, it's not worth
1: I, waiting. Anymore. I honestly, the other way of looking at that and Michael Wilbaum burning running up on Tony corners po- podcast. It's kind of a classy move by Nebraska because it doesn't have him be this just, you know, lame um, duck, guy. Lame duck lame. for two weeks. And also this is their guy. They brought him in there. This is their quarterback from the past pay him his money. We, you know, like, don't, don't be cheap on him. Don't cut his pay in half just because you're going to fire him, fire him. If, as soon as you made a decision, get rid of him. So I, I honestly like that way of thinking about this. And plus, that's a, that's a nice thing for Nebraska to hang their hat on for the next coach, coach coming in is we're not going to screw around with you we're going to be straight up with you. And if we write in our contract that if we want you fired, we're going to pay you this much money, you're going to get that payment that much money. So I, I honestly think some of these other coaches that go into there are thinking I can change Nebraska, but man, if I don't, I, I don't want to, you know, be jerked around like this and, and this and that. I, I don't know. I, I thought that was a different way of looking at that. And I kind of like it. And I, I think it might actually fit Nebraska's style of, yeah, they think they are more than what they are, think they are. <laughs> they, they aren't as good as they think they are, but you know, at least they have a, a touch of class in this sense, and I, I like that way of looking at it. So I, I'll take that and and give him his fifty million, go out the door. I have no idea who the next coach is going to be. I don't know who's like legitimate of who they can get. I think Iowa State's coach keeps getting brought up. I, I, don't, know I don't know why know he if would leave there. Him. I don't know if they can get him. So it's it's going to be as Trev Alverts come out of the, the AD spot and coach him? That would be a disaster. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You beg Bo Polini to come back. Yeah, I think Bo is available. I don't, I don't think he's at Youngstown state anymore. Yeah. You just, I, you play
0: that, uh, that song, baby come back. <laughs> I,
1: I, I, I love the Thomas over there. I love that. They fire. I like that. They fired him. I, I overall now, I think it took me a couple of days to get there of how that went down and what made sense. And I mean, you could have saved money, but at least they have hope today that like they can go in a different direction. Um they play Oklahoma this week. So <laughs> I mean you go into Oklahoma, which is a game that all eyes are on, and I mean maybe not all eyes anymore, say, but like no a eyes. lot of attention, particularly in that rivalry, and all anybody's gonna be talking about is frost being fired, and when does it happen? You get that out of the way and you can just let them get their beat down without without that discussion. So
0: Bama needed every second they could get against Texas. Um, and they had to knock out another starting quarterback in their path I, to victory.
1: I remember a week ago when I said this was a big game and you just dismissed it. I you did very dismissive of me the last seven days. And I'm mean, absolutely what? like, what could you be talking about Bama eight? Okay. And so I was, was was I was one for that two.
0: I was one for two in my dismissiveness. Um, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, there were a couple things. One, um, I had forgotten that Bama doesn't play power five teams on the road. No, they don't. And I think this is a message and this is why, you know, one of the reasons I like the expanded playoff. Uh, I would like for teams to not just get credit for playing their own conference and only have ranked opponents in their own conference that they play on the road uh, because it's real easy to sell a conference when a certain media entity, let's hypothetically call it ESPN, uh, sells a conference that is their own making and benefits them to be hyped up and sold and praised on the national stage. And whenever a team loses in the SEC and it's unexpected, it's, wow, look at the depth of the SEC versus if a team loses in another conference and it's unexpected, it's, wow, that conference isn't very good. Um,
1: Well, they own that other conference too in the ACC, so... (laughs)
0: Yeah. But what I'm saying is they really, they they really prop the SEC up and this is kind of proof. I don't think Texas is great. I don't think Texas is going to win the big 12. They're improved. They're improved, but they're not winning. I don't think they're winning the big 12 this year, but all we're going to hear is Alabama uh, and the SEC is so deep. You're hearing it now. Kentucky beats Florida. Wow. Look at the SEC. Look how many good teams there are in the SEC East. And I'm like, I don't know. Can we see these teams play? road games against power 5 teams. Can we see Alabama go to Texas more often? Can we see them go to USC in a few years? Can we see them go play Penn State at Penn State? Uh that's what I want to see. Can we can we see them go to the Horseshoe and play? Like can we see some of these big marquee games on the road? Can Nick Saban and yeah, Florida Florida's and Atlanta, Georgia and, uh,
1: not a neutral site. Yeah. yeah, and
0: LSU and these other teams like can they go on the road and play these power 5 teams in an actual road game? Home and homes are fine. You can host that team one year, but then you got to go there. I, I think that's great. I, that's what I want to see because this game, I, I was. I was surprised. I did not think Texas was going to hang in there. And, I, I, you know, I said with Caden Cook-Cash, I, I don't think it would have changed the outcome. I think if Texas' starting quarterback gets in there, I think Texas does win this game. I think they beat Alabama. And I think part of that might be Alabama is not the same Alabama we're used to seeing. But I also think in college football especially, this is what happens when you go play true road games sometimes you get in a hostile environment and that crowd if you let that team hang in there that crowd starts to believe the players start to believe and feeds off the crowd and chaos happens in college football all the time
1: so lucky for you just about every other year kind of alabama's got on the schedule they play at um at wisconsin in 24 which okay okay at florida state in 25 which florida state Maybe. at any can build into that sure. i mean and then they have a at West Virginia that I'm not necessarily going to count in that area, but it's not mm-hmm. a nobody. Sure. And then you have at Oklahoma State in 28, at Notre Dame in 29. Okay, I like so these. like I like the adjustments to the. I, like I like these at Oklahoma in 32.
0: I like at Virginia they stay. Tech
1: in 34.
0: <laughs> well, 34 is so far away. I don't even know if that game happens.
1: Hopefully, we're good by then.
0: <laughs> I don't even know if that game happens, but um, yeah, I, I I am interested if those games stay on the schedule with when the college football playoff expands and all yeah, kinds of yeah. and the college football landscape changes, I'm very, at interested least we'll have places. it on there
1: now. At least yes. the continuance of the, we don't also play the Oklahoma thing my, in the future
0: right. is not going to happen because that'll be a conference game then.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I, I didn't catch that in my brain thinking there, but still I, I, I appreciate that at some point they made decisions to kind of get rid of the, we're not going to go on the road on the power five. Like I, I appreciate that at least, that's in their brain somewhere. That was a really fun game to watch. It was a great nooner. Led into Tennessee and Pitt. And Pitt, I think we both, you know, we thought Tennessee was going to win this game. I thought Tennessee's much, much better. You know, Pitt being uh, West Virginia didn't prove a lot to us or anything on the scale of this game. Pitt came to play. Pitt stayed right with them. They were with them the whole way. Forced overtime. And and so credit to Pitt. that I think they're a tough out. But Tennessee is better, and Hendon Hooker is better. I mean, I, I know he's not good enough to be a Virginia Tech quarterback, but man, he looks good against everybody else. So uh, they have the they gave the number twenty three Tennessee Vols another win, and it was in overtime. But it was a that was another fun game to watch overtime.
0: Yeah, I think this is a really. I think Tennessee is going to be really good. Um, unfortunately, they're just not Georgia good, and that will play out. Um,
1: but but they they look better than Florida, who lost to Kentucky. So like. Sure.
0: I I think the Florida game is going to be exciting. I think that Kentucky game could be exciting. I think, you know, we'll we'll see what happens when they play Alabama. That game could be exciting. Like, I don't think they're going to win, but maybe for the first time in a long time, that's an exciting rivalry game. And, you know, I, yeah, I, I just think in particular, I, I am very interested to see what they can do with the rest of this season there with Hooker, I am rooting yeah. for Hooker. I hope he oh, yeah. does great while he's there. Um, you know, they actually host Alabama. Um, so their schedule is Akron this week, which should not be a problem. Then they play home against Florida. Then they go to Baton Rouge. You know, I don't, I don't know what
1: that yeah, is. Um, and then you host Alabama. <laughs> so, yeah, we're talking positive about Tennessee while we can. Because <laughs> that's going to get tough. I mean, that's a three-run, yeah, that's a three-game stretch oh, yeah, there. The where Baton
0: Rouge ain't easy. So. Yeah, you could win all three, or you could lose all three. Yeah. Well, I okay, you could win two of the three, or you could lose all three. Um, I really don't yeah, think well, they're going to beat Alabama.
1: Akron, they're okay. going to beat Akron, but past that, yeah.
0: Oh no, I was saying Florida, LSU, Alabama. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I was I saying you Florida. could. You're probably. I gosh, it's at home, that's which gives me the more hope. I still don't think they're going to beat Alabama. Yeah,
1: two and one is your legit hope.
0: But am I going to root for them to beat Alabama? You bet.
1: Oh, yeah. Why not? Will they I be singing Rocky River. Top? Okay, yeah. Then.
0: From the top of my lungs.
1: So Baylor won the night game, the late game no, on didn't. ESPN. Or uh, Baylor didn't win the night game. BYU beat them. Uh, number 21, BYU beat number nine, Baylor. So let's just for a second, we talked about it on this podcast. Desmond Howard, he had a He had Baylor. He had, uh, he had a- A&M, Baylor.
0: Michigan who
1: was the Michigan Michigan he had the fourth team three of his four final fours are out
0: Notre Dame and so
1: Notre Dame yeah Notre Dame was the other one so and they all lost this weekend so that was a pretty a pretty tough thing (laughs) that was going around the internet I, I liked it a lot um yeah it just Desmond Howard might not his 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 crazy shot really didn't come together I guess I guess Michigan still has their shot uh, this week, looking ahead, uh, Virginia Tech, they have Wolford, UVA plays Old Dominion, JMU's off. Then the big games, otherwise, a little bit quieter of a weekend, but we've seen a lot of those quieter weekends leading in turn into craziness on the field. But pulling out the ranked teams that have some interest here, Penn State, I know they're not playing a ranked Auburn, but still Penn State at Auburn, 330 CBS, uh, that's a fun one. Mm-hmm.
0: That will be a good game, I think. Um
2: that's think like an outback bowl that's that's a yeah New Year's day it is. Bowl game. honestly this yeah. could be
0: an outback bowl preview because i i do think these are two middle of the road teams in their conference but um
1: slight I, maybe maybe slightly elevated middle row. you know just like sure just better than middle. one yeah. you
0: don't have on here that i think is going to be a good game uh and i think could have been a choice for college game day this week byu oh, is
1: at oregon i think that's going to be a good game that's a 330 on fox yeah, I missed that one. That is good. I actually still have interest in the Miami at Texas A and M game because you know I still could, think that
0: could have they they could have gone. It would they been still
1: could have gone, but I don't know. It's I don't mind them going and and showing the Sun Belt some love early here after they're because eventually league. they'll be playing each other, and I don't think that's as interesting in October when you have these SEC games going on. So they're you know they got to feed the bucket of money in SEC there, but Miami Texas A and M nine p.m. I'm still interested in that because does that does that just in Texas A&M right there like it could and and I'm I think it will I mean Miami's look strong so far offensively I know Texas A&M they didn't play terrible defense against Appy state they just didn't have anything in offense so I I don't know I can they keep up with Miami even if they're getting some stops can Miami still I don't know Uh, so I I still have a lot of interest in that game I like that nine o'clock start there like that's that's better than that 10:30 start for me.
0: <laughs> you know what? That's I'm looking at this college game day game. Tough. I'm looking at this college game day game. I'll say it. This is ESPN not wanting to promote a big game on another network.
1: What's it on the NFL network?
0: The game that they're going to is on ESPN Plus.
1: Yeah, because it's the Sun Belt. Like it's been set it's that Troy way. Troy versus weeks.
0: All- It's Troy versus Appalachian State. That is not going to be a good game. One okay, of these so teams where, is not like the other. One of these teams where plays football. Them? I, God, Texas AM Miami, BYU Oregon, either one of those Texas is. Texas
1: Miami is all on ESPN. Way better. Texas AM is playing on ESPN. Then they should have so. gone
0: there. They should have said, you know what? Still a better game. Sorry, Appalachian State. I don't respect Troy.
1: I think they just get worried that the Marshall A M game by the time they get there won't 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 be there, so they want to get the Sun Belt taken care of now.
0: I would have more faith that the Marshall Appalachian
1: State game will be there. Yeah, I I I'm not saying it won't be. I'm just saying I think they're, that's what their worry is.
0: Then you don't, I don't know. know, like okay. Then know. the Sun Belt doesn't I, yeah, host College Game Day. Then it's every other year. I. Why are we celebrating bad football on College Game Day?
1: Hey, everyone. You Have you ever wondered? That bad, if you hate the Sunbelt that bad. We can, I don't
0: we hate the sunbelt, the sunbelt that bad. I just want there to actually be a good game between two Sunbelt teams if you're going. Not some charity event where it's Troy versus Appalachian uh, what State. Think, what do you think of those games at JMU were? It wasn't like. Yeah, but that's FCS charity. Like, okay, we want to do one for smaller schools. Okay, also. Then you know games. what? Do the FCS this week if, that, if you don't want to do that have that be your charity week i appalachia state versus troy is a bad decision it's a bad decision Yeah, honestly someone could get fired over it and i'd be okay it's it's that bad of a decision
1: i would not i would not go there i like that the sunbelts get in the love while they can um
0: there's going to be plenty I, of weeks I, for sunbelt I really hadn't thought about
1: hating it as much. There's so. going to be
0: plenty of weeks for sunbelt love. I think it's maybe the third or, well, maybe the fourth or fifth best conference in college football this year. Like, I I think it's better, probably better than the ACC, probably better than the Pac-12.
1: Like, yeah. I think there's yep. more
0: good teams in the in the sunbelt than there are in the ACC and Pac-12.
1: So... The Appy State Marshall game's not till November. That's, that's clearly why they didn't wait for that. Well... Then, then you can come to JMU in two weeks. Then you don't know. Yeah. JMU hadn't done anything to deserve that. And I, and that's what the Twitter has been saying this week. You know, look at the sunbelt. Look at us. The JMU Twitter has, and it's like, yeah, look at the sunbelt. You, you guys played a
0: bad teams, middle two Tennessee two state Park. team and you yeah. played a Norfolk state team that doesn't actually play football. Yeah. I they mean, did they, not play a full game today. That, that weekend.
1: They shortened in the fourth previous order. seasons when they were in F. CS they would have won those games just the same. Like you haven't proven FBS anything.
0: Yeah, if they beat Appalachian State, you
1: got a chance to shit. Yeah, yeah,
0: if they beat Appalachian State in Week Four, hey, awesome. Yeah,
1: then then then, then that's gonna be cranked. Then up. I will pay attention to you. Yeah. Otherwise, not interested. Well, I'm paying attention to them because I, I like them. I want to play. I want them to play good. They got that Marshall game as their homecoming game, so uh, that's that's already been a that's concern for some some Dukes. Um, all right, so that's that football. Let's step it up a level to the NFL. The Steelers are Georgia's number one now. I wanted to say that, a lot, but at least they at least Alabama came off the number one spot.
0: Uh, Georgia should be number one. They look, better. I agree,
1: they've beat the heck out of FBS team. Uh, Steelers they beat Cincinnati 23 to 20 in a game that no team wanted to win. Uh, they. Oh. Since he missed multiple kicks, Steelers missed a kick in overtime. Um, They were lucky to get the ball back and even have an opportunity to kick a game-winning field goal in overtime. But, I mean, as crazy as that game was, I'm happy to win it. I think beating Cincinnati is a very useful win in that division um, if we are able to try to get into the playoffs. Um, But our defense looked pretty good, even though now we're going to have – our best guy out in, uh TJ watt. And then our offense looked terrible. And we even lost a guy there in Najee Harris. And uh, they're saying he could be back, but might not be. I don't, I don't know. So uh, overall we lost some players, which are star players, but we won the ball game. Wins are better than losses. Uh, would have been nice not to lose those players. Yeah.
0: So as, Wins are better than ties also. right. As a neutral watching this game, a couple takeaways. Uh, Neutral.
1: Neutral. I hate the Bengals too. Um, <laughs> not as much as us. No.
0: <laughs> I thought this was maybe if it hadn't been for the Colts Texans game, this would have been the worst play game of the of the weekend. Um, yeah. That that neither team I don't know. played that well. Tampa
1: Bay game wasn't good either. Ugh.
0: uh okay. I, it's to be fair, I didn't stay up and watch that.
1: Um, It was, it was bad.
0: It was, it was just bad. Uh, Cincinnati turns the ball over like four or five times. Um,
1: And, and we and still if, only are leading by like a six point. I was going to that say, point. that's yeah. the
0: problem if I'm a Steelers fan, right? You had that yeah. many turnovers and you still needed overtime <laughs> and a shanked. You needed overtime on a missed extra point, a shanked field goal to win. Both of those, yeah. yeah, all three of those really. Like that's what you needed we to win. We definitely and did. We needed all that. Yes. Yeah, that's not going to happen every week. So, no, especially with TJ Watt out. That was the other thing. Once TJ Watt left the game, I was like, man, this pass rush is real pedestrian. Like, which honestly, I think just speaks to how good TJ Watt is. Like,
1: yeah, he's really
0: good. Um, oh, we're saying TJ Watt. It's not TJ Watt. What is his name? It's Watt, but it's not T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt's the guy that is, uh used to play for the
1: Texans, isn't it? Yeah, he plays with that. It's T.J. T.J. Watt is a Steeler. I, d- I don't know why you think making me name? even question myself that. Jason Watt? J.J. J.J. JJ, JJ is Watt. Whatever. TJ, then T.J. J.J. And then we have another Watt on the Steelers, too. B.J. Uh, I don't know. That's the one I'm not sure what his name is.
0: I don't know. B.J. T.J. J.J. M.J. I don't know. CJ. I don't know. Too many watts, too many Jays. Anyway, he's amazing because with the the havoc he was causing by himself. I was like, "All right, this guy's good." And then when he left the game, I was
1: like, "Not good. This yeah. this pass rush is not good." Oh, I don't know. Nothing even before he was in there really made me say anything good. I just missed what was good that apparently was there that I was missing. But, yeah, it, it was ugly, ugly, ugly.
0: Well, defensively, you were good. I mean, offensively, you're and bad, which I knew that. Like, I, I yeah. tried to tell you and friend of the podcast, Rob, like Mitch Trubisky, maybe an answer, but he's not
1: the answer. And he but I'm not right. I I don't think Pickett goes in that game and helps us more like well, maybe long term at some point we want to be playing him when the when the season is right for that but like i honestly thought at, at one point in
0: the know. fourth quarter i was like maybe you go to pick it like it's i, I was worried but um yes yeah, a little
1: fake slide in the nfl do they allow that
0: no and he'd get killed um <laughs> his head would bounce off the turf um but he'd, then he'd be mason rudolph uh but it's yeah, uh, his head
1: bounces off helmets. <laughs>
0: fair um I just yeah I I wouldn't have loved what I saw if I was a Steelers fan in that game I, I would have been very I,
1: I didn't I I wasn't bragging I know you were involved in my text with uh, with Ron there but yeah. uh I wasn't happy about I mean I was happy we scored first I, that was probably about about it uh but I was happy with the Ravens game because that was my survival pick for the week in Me too. both my survival leagues, and I picked the Ravens and uh it worked out Unlike everybody that picked the Giants against Tennessee in my, like two people in my other survival league. You mean the Titans the Giants. picking? I was pretty happy to see that. The Titans picking against the Giants? Yeah. Giants won. So that was really nice. Oh yeah.
0: Um, you said all the people picking the Giants. Oh my bad. bad. They yeah. would have been fine.
1: Um, everybody in my league basically picked uh, against the New York teams. and
0: That, yeah, I'd pick against the Jets. And honestly, like I said this because I was like, look, there is not an easier game on the schedule than the new york jets like if i'm going to pick the ravens it's going to be this week yeah get it out of the way get it out of your system and then we'll look at week two i'll say this the first two or three weeks in a survival pool are the hardest two or three weeks because you're still trying to figure out just exactly how good someone's going to be if you can survive
1: to like week five or week six you got a pretty good shot um yeah i think what ruined, ruined me last year was like the giants beating the saints in like week four yeah it was pretty early and it was
0: yeah but, yeah, we beat the Jets. The offense didn't look amazing, but it looked good enough. The defense was great. We were playing Joe Flacco, though, so, I mean, whatever. Um, I didn't like losing Fuller for the year. I didn't like that. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't like that either.
0: We're playing the Dolphins next. I do think that's going to be a win, even though the Dolphins looked good against the Patriots. Uh, their defense is good. Their offense, I think, is okay. And I think we're going to be better than the Patriots' defense. So. uh, shout out to the commanders. They, they got a win. Um, they needed to come back a a little bit
1: too. (laughs) That was,
0: they needed to come back, but they got the win. I actually appreciate what Trevor Lawrence did to, uh, ETN. ETN dropped a fourth and goal touchdown, like just batted it down. Like he was a corner. And then the next time Trevor Lawrence threw to him was a situation where he got blown up. And I can only imagine the message when ETN was back in the huddle with Trevor Lawrence saying, don't you ever drop another pass or I'll get your head ripped off next time. Like, that was just a warning. Like, this is what happens when you drop balls. I'm going to set you to get killed up uh, or get killed. And that's exactly, um, to be honest, I look, if you're a Commanders fan, you saw the the good and the bad of Carson Wentz in that game. Because he had, he had a pick in that game. And I was like, what is
1: he doing? Like two straight picks that were just handing the game. Yeah, to the, and
0: I was like, like, okay, he does not want to win, and then, but then he had the game-winning drive there at the end, and you're like, that's, I guess, the good version. I I, I don't think Carson Wentz is going to be healthy, so I do think at a certain point, you're going to go that backup, but Heineke. Um, Heineke, yeah, and then you'll see what happens there, but
1: the Sunbelt's bragging back then, too, right? As,
0: as you said with the Steelers, a win is a win, so you'll take it.
1: The Chicago game was a mess. Uh, I saw someone there. Oh. Uh, they they took the bets of all the stat lines for everybody. They did like a single game parlay, and they bet a hundred dollars and like put everybody under on like yard totals and point totals and all that stuff. And they won like thirteen hundred dollars off that. I thought that was a great way to use your brain on a Sunday morning when you saw that it was a mass. Will say,
0: i said this with the group of people that i was watching the games with on sunday when they every time they would go to that on red zone i was like this is like going back in a time machine like it looked like you were watching film from like the 80s even the 90s like and it was just gross it was there were points honestly where they would put the game on and you're like i see things moving yeah. i guess their bodies
1: like oh. The NFL has postponed games for less, and and that field like, is awful. Predicted. That field is bad in
0: good re- in good weather. Dangerous. That was terrible.
1: I'm surprised they didn't delay that game. I, that's what I kept coming back to: is like why Why did they let this go? Why just play it? They Monday were squeegeeing night. the field before the game, and like during the game, I was
0: like, Can you
1: squeegee it during the commercials? Like this is yeah. bad. And I'm, there was the penalty. The kicker brought out a towel and dried the spot on the field, and that was a penalty. And took that's out ridiculous. Of yeah, that's crazy. that is so stupid. Game. He's uh, trying to make ugly, it
0: somewhat safe. Like my goodness, that's a dumb thing. Oh, you can't dry the ground. <laughs> what is
1: this, this golf? Despite all the ugliness of the games we've already talked about, the Indiana Houston game was probably Indiana the ugliest. Was, and because yeah. of the final decision to make it a tie, I and hated when that. He go, punted it away instead of just going for a, an attempt at a win. He punted it away and didn't give his team a chance to win that game. And and they tie. And I. I hate that. He has a hell of a beard, but I, I don't like his decision to punt.
0: I'll say this. The you, NFL man. needs to introduce a rule that if you tie, you are done playing football for the rest of the year. The rest of your games are forfeited. That I, you can't, They need to go to the playoffs. How's that? Yeah, you can't go to the playoffs. You are not playing another game as long as the season <laughs> is being played. You are done. End of season. And you know what, Colts and Texans? <laughs> America would be better off for it. That football game was offensive. It
1: was bad. I would rather. Bad. i, I kept showing it on red zone. It, it was, was awful.
0: Every time that game came on red zone, I was like, God, I hate this. And yeah, yeah in overtime, when they were playing for the tie, I, I honestly, I said to the group and they started laughing because I said it during the Steelers Bengals game to us. Like, if, if these four teams tie, we should have a 28 team league. I, I don't want teams <laughs> that are playing for ties to exist. I don't – they obviously have said, we're not here to win. And if you're not here to win, then get the hell out of the league. Relegate them
1: to I the think FCC. there's 32 NFL teams, so I don't know what other two you just eliminated, but –
0: Well, there's 32 if there had been four teams that tied. Oh, I missed the four I thought you were just talking about this game tying. I said it you're during talking... the Steelers-Bengals game, but I said uh, it again during it, the it. Colts-Texans yeah. game. Yeah, th- right now we should be playing in a 30-team league. I – We should not have the Colts and the Texans the rest of the way. They're offensive. One, we shouldn't have the Texans anyway. I think they should change their name to the Oilers and go back to those cool uniforms because I loved them.
1: Um, But, yeah, offensive. I hated them. I I was surprised Detroit, even though I picked them to be a playoff team, I was still surprised they put 35 points up against Philly. I think Philly's a decent team this year. I haven't won in that division. So I was surprised Detroit actually did what they did there. So I, I hope that's a good sign. On the other end of my spectrum of predictions, I said Dallas is going to be not a playoff team this year. And now America is saying that on Monday morning here, mostly because Dak's hurt and stuff like that. But also what they were seeing in the game before Dak got hurt and their offensive line being terrible, them not having enough weapons outside because they they let uh, what's-his-face go. I, I hope you're seeing what I'm seeing now, especially with the injury there. I, I hope you're coming on board for Dallas not being a playoff team.
0: I mean, what's not to like about Cooper Rush? No. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Skip Bayless says he's as good as Dak.
1: Okay. Well,
0: that's a really. That's stupid why I don't thing. have Skip Bayless. That's a really stupid thing to say. Um yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously, when I made that prediction, I did not foresee Dak Prescott breaking his yeah. hand and needing surgery. But even
1: before reformed. he got hurt, they were not looking good.
0: They weren't. Good. But I think Tampa Bay is going to be good. So, like, okay.
1: Um. That was a really ugly game. There was one touchdown scored in that game. It was what? Nine to three at half. I it's think bad. it was, it was, it bad. was ugly. I, yeah.
0: yeah, Dallas is in trouble. Uh, and Tom Brady looked
1: like he had 12 days off, you know,
0: that's fine. Um, <laughs> they're going
1: to be fine. I'm they're not
0: Tampa Bay. will. Dallas isn't, uh,
1: um, oh, yeah, Dallas is not Dallas is Dallas is bad. They're going to be, uh, not a playoff team. I didn't even look ahead at what NFL teams have next week, but we've uh, got the dolphins. I don't know who you have. I don't know who we have either. I'll bet we talk about it next week after it happens. Let's before we get into our other stuff, let's go back to volleyball. We didn't talk about that. We talked about all the football in the world. Let's talk about volleyball. There has been some good stuff happening. Um, Fort Defiance did beat Rockbridge the other week. I think we missed talking about it last week, so I wanted to bring that up. That was a big win. Whenever they play Rockbridge, that's always a big game. They beat them, uh, so that was good. It was a three-to-one game, and now they get them again this week. They, they beat T.A. and Broadway last week, but now they get Rockbridge this week and then Waynesboro on Thursday. Uh, outside of that Fluvana tournament, Fort Defiance has only dropped one set, and that was to Rockbridge and they're hosting Rockbridge on Tuesdays. That's a big old match on Tuesday night.
0: Yeah. Uh I you know what? I'm excited for that. I think um it's going to be interesting to see if they can pull that out. Um I want them to, right? I want them to beat Rockbridge. Uh mm-hmm. Waynesboro obviously they're going to have they had their schedule bounce around a little bit. They've got Gap on Wednesday and and then Fort on Thursday, which is Oof! you never yeah, want to have off of old schedule. Yeah. Yeah. You'd never want to have Fort on a back-to-back that's going to be <laughs> tough, but hopefully for Waynesboro, they can, they can find a way to get uh, a win against gap. They're definitely improved from last year, which is good news for Waynesboro. Um, but uh, you know, when you look at the rest of the Shandoah district, it, it kind of does look like Fort riverheads and then Wilson maybe could rebound and start to look good once they get into the district play. Cause they, I mean, they've had a pretty tough, uh, out-of-district schedule so far, but um, kind of looks like a race for third place between a few teams.
1: Yeah, and and Riverheads kind of had minimal action. Uh, they didn't have any games this past week. Uh, I think Draft also didn't have any games this past week, so I don't know if it's just like the Labor Day week or something messed with their schedule, but uh, it would be good to get those te- teams back in action, and um, yeah, it'll be good. I like Wilson's schedule this week with two district games playing versus Riverheads on Tuesday at Stanton on Thursday. I think we'll start getting a, a lot clearer picture of this district now that we're actually going to have some district games and then facing each other. So I'm excited to get to that. So, yeah, by the end of the week, all these – a lot of district games. That'll be fun to see. So good volleyball getting picked up. Make sure you get out to a gym and watch some of that or turn on the NFHS network and watch some of that. But uh, Tuesday night, I, I know RTV will be on that Fort Rockbridge game because so that'll be fun. Uh, let's look at um, – Major League Baseball, real quick. Pull hosts, he has 697 now. He's only three away from 700. If you think, I, I heard these people saying, like, if he hits 699 and doesn't get to 700, he'll just come back next year. I, I don't, I think he's done this year, no matter no, he what. Said I don't he's done. Yeah. He's, I mean, he said he's done to begin with, but like, I don't think that changes his mind. If you're 699, you're 699. it doesn't move you up the list. I don't know. I, it's just, it's not like the difference of him making the hall of fame or not. So like, wh- why would he come back just to hit one more home run? I don't, I don't get that conversation. Yeah. I don't think he's going to. So I, yeah. I agree. with you. Um, your Orioles kind of had a tough week. I
0: think that's probably it.
1: Yeah,
0: I do too. It's okay. It was a good run. I wasn't expecting to be it's this close next year. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to be this close. A uh, big picture. That's fine. Small picture. It hurts right now, but, you know what? That's baseball. Um, We're gonna make it next year. I I have no doubts yeah, in that. Yeah, better. I have you, no doubts better. in that, and uh, I feel good about next year.
1: I hold you personally accountable
0: for what happens a next year. A full season so, of Adley so? Gunner, like that's gonna be good. We're gonna yeah. be fine. We're gonna we're gonna add a pitcher. We're gonna fill in some holes through free agency. Uh, I think we're gonna be good.
1: If I lose that bet next year, I'm I'm gonna make you pay it off because that's stuff. well. Up.
0: I'm not going to because I'm not the one who made the bet. <laughs> but that's not how bets work. But um. Yeah, I, I do think the Orioles will be just fine. I will say this. I think we're going to be definitely better than Boston. Boston is in trouble.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Over on the National League side, what do you think happens in the East for the uh, National League? Do you think the Mets win that division? or I do put an Braves investment on the
0: Braves to win the NL East when they were back quite a bit. Um, and I am sticking to that. I think they are When I looked at that big lead for the Mets and everybody was talking about the Mets, oh my gosh, look how far ahead they are. They're so good. I was like, you know what? That's what I needed to see. I needed to see everyone telling the Mets how great they are because that's when the collapse starts.
1: Nobody blows a division lead like the Mets. I tried to slip in the, I just timed it wrong. I was a day late on it. Uh, My mom asked Dan, the Mets fan, how, how his Mets were doing and I, and I s and I kinda interjected and I was a day late on it though. I said, Hey, it's good. They have a ten and a half lead game uh lead again. You know, it's it's good. They're in good place. Because on Friday, when they had lost and the Braves had won, they had switched spots to where the Braves were leading that division. So then the Mets were in the wild card and then they had a ten and a half game lead in the in the wild card, like they had in the division in June. So uh it was a pretty good one, but then Dan did correct me and tell me, no, it's back to the uh, half game lead in the division. So I was, I was disappointed in my, in my jokes on him on that one, but I don't know. I, you know, they're both making the playoffs, so it only matters, but so much, but you want to win that division. And especially in that two spot, you get that couple days off. I think they'll be able to use that to their advantage that time. I don't, I, I don't know. I didn't see like last year, I didn't seem like people got rusty from that. So I would definitely be playing for that and not be sitting back happy with the playoffs. I think the other on the line teams at San Diego, do they do they make it into the playoffs there? Uh, they have a two-game lead into the wild card now, uh, but can they hold on to that? And they have a tough stretch down the, down the stretch here with a lot of Dodger games, uh, San Francisco games that are San Francisco's behind them, but only by so much. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if San Diego's able to hold on to that. I'd be worried because Milwaukee's playing like the pirates and
0: yeah, I'd be worried that the Padres have a lot of problems there. They do.
1: So that was our baseball talk. I know we do a lot less baseball talk when uh, football comes back. Um, Welcome to Wexham. Did you pick any of that up?
0: I did. I got the first two. It's Wexham, not Wexham, but
1: Rexum. I type it in Ron and it, that's my problem. I did the last two weeks. I know it when I not reading my Error-filled notes on the uh, on the note. First two in,
0: they do a great job explaining promotion relegation. If you're not familiar with that system, um, kind of what the tiers mean as well over there in professional soccer, which uh, I think is great for the average American fan. Um, man, at episode two they uh, wrap up the first. I guess kind of half season of them being as owners. I don't think they owned the team for the whole season there. I think they came in part way through. Uh, yeah, but it's good. I like it so far. Um, I can't
1: wait. I to liked watch the more second episode a lot more. Like the first one, I did think it, it taught you and it was good. And I'm not saying it didn't take anything away from that episode. Second one
0: showed you the human side yeah. a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I liked I liked that a lot. And uh, it goes on from there. And we're gonna talk about episode at least three and four next week, if not three through. Uh, six, uh, next week. three, four, five, six. Yeah. So, um, that's, what's out now, uh, as this podcast comes out, probably seven and eight will be coming out. Uh, I might hold off on those until you get there. Um, but yeah, I really like the show in those first two episodes. I think it's really interesting and this is spoiler alert. Like we're going to talk about this show full out. So if you, if you don't want things spoiled, watch with us. Um, I like how, well,
0: okay, hold on. Tell the people where they can find us, subscribe, all that. So, oh, yeah. if they don't want spoilers, they yeah, can yeah. turn it off
1: now. We're everywhere you can find podcasts at Yak Sports Pod. If, if you're somebody that cares this much about getting spoiled on this podcast, you've probably listened to us already. So, that's it. We'll say say that again at the end of the show if, if you're new to this. But, welcome to Wrexham. These next few weeks, we're going to be talking about it as it's coming on. So, there there's no spoilers going to be uh, – There's all spoilers are going to be ruined here. So – i really think it's interesting how the ownership of the club there's like this town controlled aspect to it so it reminds me like of green bay like a green bay situation where like if you have you have the stake in the team and you get to have a vote in in it and so the guys ryan reynolds and rob mckinney like they have to say we want to buy the team and then the people of the town have to like the people that have the right to do this from the town get to say if they can or not and so they're worried if they can even be said yes and and they're i really appreciate their attitude about it because they make a lot of jokes because they know there's cameras on them and it's a tv show and and they're funny guys um you know ryan reynolds never says something serious you know he's always making jokes but i mean they're generally worried Will they take us seriously? Are, are they worried that we're just making jokes and this is just one big joke. And once we screw it up even more, we're just going to get out. And do they know that we're serious about this and we're going to put money into this and we really want to build them up to not just go up one division, but, you know, set them on a path upward and onward. And and they're not talking about even selling then. It just that they want to have this, this back in a, a Premier League kind of situation at some point down the road. I, I appreciate their vulnerability in that and, like, that they, that they generally seemed worried that people would allow them to own the team. And and it seemed legit. And, um, obviously, I, I mean, you'll, you might comment on that, but then they come back with the votes and, and they get it. And, and by a grant, like a great number. And I, I thought they took it seriously. They had a presentation. They talked specifics of what they wanted to do with the team. They have specific goals and, uh, things that they know need to change that they want to do. And, uh, I know we haven't got there yet, so I won't spoil it yet. But like, there there's a specific thing they talk about in an episode coming up that that has to do with that. I I I love how serious they are and they're following through. And I think it's also probably helpful that there is cameras there that like they can't <laughs> not follow up on things. They can't say one thing and then here's this documentary crew showing them and they can't just be like, Oh yeah, heck with that. You know, they're, they're serious about it. I, I love it.
0: Well, I think they have final editing on that. So they probably cut some of that out before it gets released, but, um, it's not like a hard knock situation where it's
1: as the weeks go on, but, um, but nothing, nothing they do indicates that they're like really trying to, no, they're not trying to
0: shice to this yeah. town
1: or this club. Like no, I do, I do serious think about weird. it. Yes. Um,
0: and Rob is, like,
1: relating it to his Eagle Eagles fandom. And, like, he knows how happy he was when the Eagles won the Super Bowl and, like, how that ranked in his life of big things that happened. And and he knows that the people of his town have those same feelings. And so I, I find it interesting. Like, I have trouble sometimes, like, putting words to my fandoms and how it makes me feel. Like, really, Virginia Tech sports is, is that. Like, how, how much it affects my mood, how much I'm thinking about it. And I, I thought – that first episode really hit on some of those things where it kind of explained how important things were to people, even even acknowledging it's not a life or death situation, but like it still impacts your life, kind of like it is because you you allow it to. And uh, I don't know, I thought that I thought it was good.
0: Yeah, I did too. I thought um, I, I'm looking forward to the other episodes. I I kind of finished up the second episode right before we got started, so I'm probably going to watch another episode before uh, I go to bed while I'm doing laundry and stuff. Um, But I am very much looking forward to watching this show and seeing uh, what other, what other stuff happens uh, with this club in Wrexham because I'm not, while I watch a lot of European soccer, I'm not watching, you know, the fifth tier uh, which is technically one below the English football league uh, as they call it. Um, But uh, yeah, I I think it's going to be awesome to watch and see how they've done in 2021 cuz I don't know
1: cuz I didn't watch it. Um yeah, and I'm purposely this is kind of what I did with the F1. I'm not looking up I'm not Right, I don't want to look it up either, yeah. I don't want to yeah. look it up. Like I'm if sure. someone says, "Yeah, Rexum did this," then I'm going to hear it. I'm not like sticking fingers in my ears, but like I'm not I'm not looking it up. So yeah. It's it's with that second episodes when that season wrapped up. So yeah, that was interesting cuz like they went into that last game was like, "Well, if they win that game, they can be in the playoff to a still have a chance and they, they lost the, or tied the game. They needed to have a win. And uh, immediately they're on the phone. Like, yeah, we got to make changes now. You know, that was the indicator for them of what needed to change. So coach is going to change. The so players are going to change. And I, I thought that was, it was a cool behind the scenes thing where, you know, other owners have similar discussions. It's cool to see what I think is intended to show like their actual conversations between them and their re- their reactions to the words being said of like, man, that's not the way we want it to go. Now we got to do this, and this is going to suck.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, and uh, we'll see what happens, right? So I'm excited for it, Uh, but I think um, unless you have something else you want to say, I don't have too much for this end segment because I kind of just prepared for that. (laughs) My only other thing is that whole
1: football world revolves around me thing. I think proved itself this past week because with riverheads losing, then the Hokies win and looked a lot better and their defense looked great. And then the Steelers
0: look out, they ACC out the game, but they won.
1: And, and so I think I, my, my riverheads gladiators sacrificed themselves for the betterment of the rest of my fandoms. I could have waited for that. I wasn't really cheering for that to change uh, this, this week. Um, I could have handled some more games or another year before that, did that. Uh, but it's fine. And yeah, uh, I mean, the only other point that I had on the Riverhead say that I, that I didn't bring up earlier was you talk about Kane Cook-Cash going out. I I would have been interested. I don't think he his presence would have changed the outcome, just like a point-blank statement. I just wonder, okay, if that game's seven points closer in the second half, is that something that causes Lord Botetot to not be as patient? Or, you know, how does the game situations happen from there? And so, and, and Riverhead's, you know, yeah, they didn't have off, offensive production in the second half, if he's in it, do they have offense production? And, you know, so I, I'm just, I'd be interested to have seen what that was like. I think that's the only like thing I wish was different. I just wish Caden could could have played in the game, even if they still lose, it's fine. I just, I wish that they were at full strength doing it and there's no, no even mention of someone missing or, or something like that. I, I, I would have, I would have liked that. And, uh, but Caden could has a lot of football games ahead of him in his life. So he'll have opportunity to prove himself in other big games. That'll be good.
0: Yes. Um, and I think, you know, at, at this point, it's just about making sure he's healthy and hundred percent before yeah, absolutely. bringing him back. And they, because...
1: they made that decision during the last two games. I yeah, mean, they did that they did. during bear yeah. Aircore and they did it in this game and you could see he was still up at the line, up at the line and he's still hoping was to get on the in. field. Yeah. And at, at some point they took away his helmet from him. So like <laughs> they made sure he wouldn't go on the field and, I credit coach Cross and that staff. And that's the same level of caring for the kids that have been there for decades. Um, maybe, you know, three, four decade kind of thing, you know, going back into old school riverheads. I, I think there's always been that look of taking care of the kids. And, um, I appreciate that because you don't get that at every football program. I think locally we generally do, but I, I do know around the state you don't.
0: Yes, I agree. And, um, I'm looking forward to Virginia Tech winning the ACC this year.
1: So <laughs> that'd be awesome.
0: <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at yak sports pod, Facebook at yak sports pod. You can email us yaksportspod at at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought about the riverhead streak. Uh, what you think is lying ahead for all of our area teams or colleges or, you know, NFL, if you got passionate thoughts a, about it. anything, we, we some talked fresh, about. always right this week, you know? Yeah. Yes. Um, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Make sure you don't miss another episode. And be sure to share with all of your friends because we are talking about the sports that matter to you, the Augusta County Sports fan. Until next week, folks, for Lila McRae, I'm Joe Deck. Hope you had a great week.
2: You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.